Come on. The strong, the powerful Nadia Zeksenbaeva is here on Lifeblood Create. Welcome, Nadia. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here, George. Yeah, really excited to have you on. Dr. Nadia is the reinvention guru. She's helped companies like Coca-Cola, IBM, Cisco, L'Oreal, and Kohler transform products, leadership practices, and business models to meet new market demands. She's a scientist, a speaker, and she is the author of the Chief Reinvention Officer Handbook, how to Thrive in Chaos. Nadia, we're excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, um, born in the Soviet Union, right before the collapse, I started working. So for me, the day when the USSR no longer existed was the day my scientific career started because I study as a profession why systems collapse and why systems sustain. And naturally, one of the systems that everyone is paying attention to is a business, whether a big corporation or a small business. It's one of the systems we really want to live long and happy. So my focus for the last 20-something years has been understanding why some companies collapse and others are able to survive any kind of disruption and how do we do more of the second and less of the first. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Was that something that, like, what, how did you become curious, interested, passionate about that? Um, I think it's my family, really. I come from a family of political dissidents, great-grandparents executed my grandfather um, in prison a lot for his political views. He killed himself before I was born. So I was raised as a person who is ready for disruptions, revolutions, oppressions, and whatever else. But I didn't really know it because it was not really um, spoken about. It was not super safe to speak in the family. And I came to know it when I started paying attention to those kind of books, studies, scientific fields and then my parents finally kind of the floodgate was open and we were able to reconcile where my personal interests are and where the scientific and business interests are but yeah it's been a tough century in Kazakhstan and it impacts the way you look at the world and every time I see another company collapsing I feel like it's a deja vu it's just reliving something that humanity already lived so why go through that pain if you can avoid it why do people go through it over and over again? <laughs> I think we're learning. I think we're significantly better. If you look at the statistics on the quality of life, uh, the attitude towards things like killing each other, even in the last 50 years, we are changing. We're becoming more thoughtful and um caring and the overall amount of violence and so on is decreasing and the overall amount of joy whether we're talking about business or life is increasing so we're learning i think we're just on a learning loop it's like a spiral of sort yeah what's it, it do you think that that's true of of humanity do you think that that's true in the former soviet union is it true in the united states i do think it's true for humanity i'm not sure this very second I can say that it's even. I think uh, as the famous, famous quote goes, the future is already here, it's just unevenly distributed. And whether we're talking about the people, uh, 
mindsets or we're talking about collective mindsets, um, it's very unevenly distributed. So I told this story recently to my class at Reinvention Academy and they were gasping. I moved from Europe. I, I've been in the US since 98. We then moved to Europe for about nine years and came back here right before the last election in the summer of 2016. And you have six months to change back your driver's license. So I have to change my European to US. And I finally got to it right after elections, uh, November 2016. And because it was very busy everywhere around me to get my license, I drove like an hour into rural Ohio, as, as American pie as it gets. And I was taking, I was getting the driver's license and there was a young man next to me doing something, getting some paperwork. And he, he was excited. He just turned 18 and it was his first vote. And um, I'm a foreigner. I openly ask if you don't mind sharing, how do you make those decisions? And he said who he voted for. And I said, so what are your criteria when you're deciding? Is it that somebody who can make your life better? And he looked at me and he said, my life will never be better, but at least I can send a wrecking ball into yours. And he's 18. Oof. So when you look at a kid who is 18, who is at that level of hopelessness and helplessness, you know that it's very unevenly distributed. You have whole generations who don't know how to deal with the disruption we're facing today. And then you have tons of people who are thriving on it. And that's why... Um, I do what I do. I want more people in a thriving bucket and less in the state that I met this young gentleman in. Did you give serious consideration to going back to Europe at that point, Nadia? Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, there is no safe heaven. There is no safe right. heaven. There is no one place where you can say, oh, they, they figured it out. There's not a single country that I've met that I've been to. Uh, it's our collective effort to figure out how we're going to live and how do we want to be. So so I don't know that we have 10 hours or, or, or two days to be talking about this. From, from an organization standpoint, um, and we're always, it seems to me, certainly guilty mm -hmm. of it looking at for, for, for binary answers. Is it a focus on, on the employees, so sort of a grassroots bottom-up effort? Is it the organization itself to make sure that we're doing the things that we need to be doing to make sure our company is going to survive through difficult times and through the next generation and the next generation? That's all of it? It's neither. Uh, it's huh. actually that matter which direction you go to. Scientifically speaking, we have research that shows you can go... Uh, from middle, you can go from bottom, you can go from top. The issue we're facing right now is the fundamental set of assumptions. Uh, our mental models are killing our business models. So it doesn't matter at which level. What we need to fix is not the business model. It, we need to fix the mental model. And what I'm talking about is the following. For quite a few centuries, we lived in an era of relative stability. And people can tell me, oh, my God, we had two second, two massive wars and revolutions. Yes, but if I ask you how many crises we had in 20th century, most people tell me three to five. The reality is uh, from 1988, if we just count local country crises, we already had over 460. So we are living in a completely different ballgame. But our companies and our individuals are still operating as if the world is stable, which means 
they treat disruption or change as a one-time project. Everyone asks me, when are things going to get back to normal after COVID? There is no after anymore. Once the COVID is over, it's regulation or new competitor or new technology or economic crisis or economic boom or changing generational preferences in terms of our employees. It doesn't matter what it is. But this constant pounding of disruption is here to stay, which means uh, we have to play by different rules. So the issue right now is not so much the who or the what we do, but the mental models we use uh, while we make those decisions. So when you say mental models, what does that mean? Uh, there are some assumptions we make on a daily basis. Um, so these are assumptions related to change and the speed of change. 20th century average life cycle of a company, about 75 years, we can milk the same cow uh, for decades and never see a major transformation. We've done our study in last study, September 2020, and the average 60%, 60% of companies in September reported that they have to reinvent every three years or less to survive. So every 75 years versus every three years, Everything has to change. The way we hire people, the way we make financial decisions, how much cash we carry, how we think about our products, how we think about our operational systems. Everything runs differently. Imagine this. Imagine you live in Arizona and I live in Ohio. So imagine uh, that in Arizona, you don't need to imagine it snows very, very rarely. Therefore, do you need to invest in equipment for snow cleaning? Do you need, everyone needs warm clothes? Does everyone needs to know how to shovel and clean the roads? No, because why would you invest in that capabilities and those assets if snow doesn't happen often? In Ohio, nobody is shocked by snow. Everyone has equipment, everyone has sold, everyone, it's budgeted, everyone is skilled, everyone knows what to do. So that's the mental model we're shifting. It's no longer snowing once in a blue moon. It's snowing predictably. It doesn't matter what it is, but some, some, something will hit the fan. So we have to allocate assets, skills, resources, and change the rules of the game. So I talk and think a lot about how allocating my most valuable resources uh, in my attention, my time, my money, um, when when you're talking to organizations and you say, hey, you need to be really constantly reassessing these because it's constantly changing, everybody in Arizona needs to learn how to shovel. You're going to need warmer clothes just to kind of stick with that. How is that received? It depends on the company. So um, uh, the first time I spoke about it was 2014. And at that point, everyone kept telling me, are you crazy? Everything is great. What are you talking about? Everything is great. Everything is great. And um, COVID woke a lot of companies and people up because it's very hard to avoid the statistics. But our, play, our brain still plays with us. So um, you have to show the data. You also have to walk through the emotional and political issues that company is going through in order to help them shift. But the most important thing, this is about building a system. Just like you have a system for brushing your teeth or taking a shower, you don't invent every morning the new approach to taking a shower. You have a system. You have the supplies. You know how much time you need. You have the towels. You have the time allocated. 
same here. Um, if I don't shower on a regular basis, I will begin to stink. And if you don't shower your products, your services, your business models on a regular basis, they will begin to stink. So it's building a system rather than treating it as a project. It's not a project. It's a process. Reinvention is no longer a project. It's a process. And those companies who are ready to see it as a process actually shoot up uh, quite quickly with it. Is there a, a, are there companies that are too small to be thinking about this and worrying about it? I don't know such a company, but actually smaller companies have a slightly different question. So when we research, we ask different uh, questions during studies and then see by size of a company. Big companies have a big issue with the question, why? Why do we need to change? Everything is great. Look at me. Everything is, nothing is sinking. What are you talking about? But the smaller companies actually are usually very close to the ground. Their ear is on the ground, whether it's suppliers or customers or that just general environment. So their question is rarely why. It's more what and how because often they don't have the big capabilities of a massive corporation to quickly test 200 hypotheses on where do we go? Do we change the product? Do we enter a new market and all of that? So no, it's usually not by the size. It's, uh, there are some industries where it's slower. We work a lot with mining industries, for example. Their cycles are slightly smaller, seven to 10 years. You look at a typical small business, their cycle is one to two years. So different reality. Yeah, totally different reality. A, uh, a financial company versus a mining company um, yes. are certainly very, very, very different. Is the framework the same or similar? Yeah, that's surprising part. So everyone asks me, um, so what kind of reinvention do you do? First of all, there's in our studies so far, we discovered nine different types from extreme radical reinventions, kind of Tesla taking us to Mars type of reinventions versus uh, very small incremental types. And we also see that it's like a um, musical instrument. So I can play... I don't play anything, but if I did, uh, um, I can play different music on the same piano. It can be classic, folk, rap, um, rock, anything you want. About the same way with the frameworks. You can play very different music on the same set of tools. It's just combining the notes uh, that makes a big difference. Uh, what you start with, how do you align different uh, things when you're doing the reinvention? That makes a difference. But the notes and the tool is about the same. Just the melody, the composition changes, the beat, the speed changes, the, that, that changes. Can you give me an example of that? Of course. So um, we work a lot with uh, legacy companies, so in construction materials, mining, um, metallurgy, uh, manufacturing, stuff like that. Here, a lot of times, uh, we need to start with low-hanging fruit, and that would be reinvention and processes. You can find process efficiencies very, very quickly. Uh, when we look at the service companies, for example, you don't start with processes. They are so close to the customer and the product, pr the production of the product is not as cumbersome and difficult. It's not like you need to change manufacturing floor. You just need to change quite a small number of things, sometimes IT, sometimes other things. So we often start with product reinvention and uh, customer experience reinvention. And it really depends on the, on the industry. It depends on where they are in the cycle. If you're early 
if you just reinvent it, you don't need to do a neat, big blow up. But if you haven't reinvented for a while, then you need to go a little bit more radical. So this would be an example of things. Changing the what, changing the intensity depends on the industry, depends on the cycle stage and a few other parameters. Love it. I love it. Well, Nadia, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, the number one thing uh, is to start with your mental model. I, that would be my biggest tip. Today, see, just spend them time in the dinner conversation or uh, on chat or on Facebook and ask your friends, your colleagues, your family, what are the rules of succeeding in long cycles, the average life cycle of 75 years? And what are the rules of succeeding in short cycles, the average cycle of three to six years? I bet you, you will have an amazing dinner conversation. I have a 17-year-old. We bring her classmates and have those conversations with them because that changes the way they think about careers, college, life in general, finance. Just having that one conversation. So what were the rules of the game for long cycles, what are the new rules of the game for short will make a huge difference for you, your family, and your business. Well, I think that, that is great stuff that definitely gets come on. Come on. Nadia, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? Where can they get a copy of the Chief Reinvention Officer Handbook? Uh, the Chief Reinvention Officer Handbook is sold wherever you buy your books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Target, and so on. But if you would like to take a bite without making a big risk and without a purchase, we actually offer 85-page preview of the book with two tools and one case on our website. Go to learntoreinvent.com. The number two is numerical there, so it's L-E-A-R-N, number two, reinvent.com. And you will see one of the first things that will come up is an easy download of our 85-page preview. Perfect. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Nadia your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to learntoreinvent.com. That's L-E-A-R-N, the number two, reinvent.com, and pick up a copy of the 85-page short um, version of the Chief Reinvention Officer Handbook, and you can find the actual book itself wherever fine books are sold. Thanks again, Nadia. Thanks you so much for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.